Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to the 229th episode of the Real Guy Podcast. This week, I got a story to tell about JoJo and the Cawthorns, an old Fort Lauderdale family that I first met in the mid-70s. Never does a day go by where I don't think about the Cawthorns and all the things that they've taught me. Spots, bait, tackle shops, surfing, just so much that has influenced me my entire life. But first I want to circle back to one of the podcasts Norm and I did a few weeks ago about favorite fishing hats. We asked the audience to uh, email in, you know, anything that they had, pictures, reasons, different fishing hats that they had, and so many of you guys did, and I just wanted to follow up with that. The first guy I want to talk about is uh, Philip. He's from North Carolina, and he took the time to send me a really good email, and it shows him sporting his fishing hat with largemouth bass, redfish, freshwater trout, saltwater trout, sharks, bonefish, and he says he takes his hat everywhere. Now, he's sporting a meshback baseball cap with a <clears throat> camo front but it's the intercoastal angler i think a fishing magazine hat that he sports and you can tell he really likes his hat then we had david from cape coral florida it shows him sporting a pretty nice snook and it looks like his hat is a uh, beige on top and a little bit of camo underneath either that is just dirt and stuff but he's got the full like safari cap it goes all the way around, so the brim goes all the way around the front and the back. And he's sitting there with a nice smile. And thanks, David, for sending in the photo. And we just love that Cape Coral area here on the Real Guy Podcast. Then we got an email from Aunt P, and it looks like he's a local kid. And he said he's sporting the piss out of this Juju Castnet hat. Well, I just want you to know that I also have a Juju Castnet hat, and I sport the piss out of that one too sometimes. And that's just a regular... You know, trucker-style meshback baseball cap. And, by the way, Anthony and I snook in the photo. Then Sean Murphy, everybody knows Sean Murphy. He sent in a nice picture. Now, he's got a really good-looking hat here. This is a light blue, looks like cloth all the way around, baseball cap with a round patch on it. That says, Stuart Angler, bait, tackle, and fly. Sean, thanks for sending in the hat. We'll send you out some stickers. Almost done with the hat thing. Um... Then I got a really funny email from this Joel Wilson. Joel, you didn't send uh, your address along with it, so I can't send you a sticker. But the email was hilarious. He says, I wear that bitch everywhere except church. 
He says his wife hates it, and he just runs her through the dishwasher every time he gets a little too nasty. And then he says, run that dog. Hey, great email. Thanks for the pick. And uh, send me your address so I can get you out some stickers. And lastly, we got Ted Bishop, a tugboat guy from Charleston, South Carolina. And he's got a patch on the front of his hat of a tarpon. And then it says Charleston. And it's on one of those... Um, Looks like all cloth caps. And Ted's a real guy taking him and his son fishing before. Ted, if you need stickers, send me your address because good email, good picture, but I got no address. Anyway, I had to follow up. That Fishing Hat podcast was awesome. So many emails and texts and messages relating to that podcast. And you never know, you know, the topics that real guys are going to like but they definitely like the hats which i kind of knew because um years ago we did a favorite fishing hat uh youtube video that really went off and people talked about it for months so anyway that was the fishing hat thing and on to this week's story about jojo and the cawthorns so we're going back to like 1977 and my brother and i um my brother, sister, and I are walking to the bus stop for the first time ever here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, we moved here in 1976, 77 from Boston, Massachusetts. But um, it was our first time ever going to the bus stop and our first days of school and all that kind of stuff. I think I was in third grade. And going to the bus stop, there was a couple of kids that we met, you know, there, but only a couple. And it was a weird type of bus because there's only, in the whole bus, maybe 12 kids on it. And it went right down Los Olos Boulevard to the beach. And then we went to this elementary school right in the smack middle of the town called Walker Elementary. And that's just the way it was zoned. There was a there was a uh, elementary school called Eastside. But I guess right before we moved here, they closed that Eastside school down and then... The kids that lived down here on the east side of town um, and the beach went to Walker Elementary School. But there's only a dozen, maybe 15 kids on the bus. And the very next bus stop was just down the street from us, about five blocks. Um, This kid gets on the bus, and his name was Matt, Matt Cawthorn. Well, I didn't know it at the time. I watched him get on the bus, and he had kind of long hair, and I wasn't used to that. First kid I ever met with long hair. And he gets on the bus and sits down next to me, um, or the seat behind me. He says, hey, my name's Matt. And I said, hey, I'm Jeff, and, you know, we became friends immediately. But we had no clue how close we would get. But in a very short amount of time, um, we realized that, we were two peas in a pod. What I mean by that is at Walker Elementary School, it was like 95% black high school. And in our class in third grade, um, there was only one other white kid in the class, and Matt was him. So anyway, him and I became great buddies. And then Matt um, said he used to go snook fishing um, just two bridges down from my bridge. And ever since that time, we kind of hit it off and... I didn't know too much about the fishing here, but the Cawthorns and Matt and his whole family had been doing it for, you know, a few years, so they kind of had the the lowdown. But anyway, 
Um, Matt's mother, Jojo, a lot of this podcast is going to be about her because she was so giving and she was such a, uh, how do I say it? She was such a bridge for us, you know, whether we wanted to go fishing or surfing or break dancing or whatever it was, Jojo was like always, you know, 100% supportive and she was kind of cool. And I never really been around anybody um, like the Cawthorns and like Matt's mother, Jojo. And I remember the first time we fished together. Um, we fished on on Fiesta Way Bridge. When, when I talk about these bridges on the, along Lost Souls Boulevard, there's multiple bridges that go down. Each bridge has an aisle on it, and we grew up on the aisles. So Matt and his family usually fished on Hendricks Isle Bridge, which was two bridges down. But they came to Fiesta because my mother would let me go down to the end of the street and fish my bridge. But that was as far as I could get. So Matt and his brother and his mother pull up and they got this old Alfa Romeo. And I'll never forget the Alfa Romeo because it took us so many places. And it was JoJo's like, I don't know, cool car. It was a stick shift. She liked driving it around and she abused the piss out of it. What I mean by that is that there was always stuff in the car. Maybe a dead shrimp, um, leftover split shots, old rusted hooks, maybe a melted bar of sex wax down on the bottom. And Jojo, did, Jojo didn't give a shit. That was the car to go out and do things in and have fun in. And I'll never forget the old Alfa Romeo. But anyway, they pull up in the Alfa Romeo and they get out on the bridge and they got live shrimp with them. And a bucket that they throw in the water to keep the live shrimp alive. Now, I'd never seen this in my life. It's like these people show up to go fishing and they got some stuff in a bucket and it's live shrimp. So we take the live shrimp and we're fishing off the bridge and we're catching sand perch and snappers and small snooks and it's really, you know, pretty productive considering um, we're just you know, down at the end of the street. So we've been do we do this fishing for a few months and my family gets to know his family, and JoJo gets to know my mother, and then luckily for me, I got to start hanging around with the Cawthorns. So not only did they bring shrimp, now I got to go with them to get the shrimp. So I learned about the different tackle shops around town. The closest one to us was Roy's Bait and Tackle. And Roy's Bait and Tackle was a little rundown, had a lot of lures in it, had some cool display cases, but it was run by these... Uh, I don't know, three or four older redneck-type dudes. And they used to hit on JoJo. And JoJo did not like that, so we didn't go to that bait shop unless we absolutely had to. And then um, she would go to a bait shop that was a little bit further down, which was called Bill Boyd's. Now, Bill Boyd's also had shrimp, but, you know, if you do the live shrimp thing, even today, it's kind of like a juggle. Who's got them? Who doesn't have them? But anyway, I drove around in the Alfa Morea, Alfa Romeo and I was starting to learn about the different tackle shops I was learning about the bait the different jigs that work the stuff that didn't work the size of the hooks all this stuff I got to sponge off of the Cawthorns but Matt's mother Jojo was somebody like I'd never met before I've never experienced you know a real friendship with a friend of mine's parents or mother nevertheless and Jojo she was just as candid as could be she treated you like you were an adult. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny story about the first tarpon that I ever lost. I happened to be with the Cawthorns, and we're fishing the bridge right up 
um, in the Fiesta Way Bridge. And between Fiesta and Ermi used to be a really good canal to catch small tarpon. So I'm floating a shrimp out in the current um, towards the tarpon. And the very first tarpon I ever, the hook grabs the line, jumps, snaps my line, and swims off. And I get pissed. I throw the rod on the ground, and I start stomping my feet and acting like a chump. And Mrs. Cawthorn looks over at me and says, Jeff, don't be an asshole. That's what tarpon do. So first of all, I've never been cursed at by an adult before. Second of all, I didn't know if she was speaking to me as a mom or a parent, or she's speaking to me as like a fishing buddy. So I didn't really know how to come back. But I did realize that JoJo was different from that day on. Now, luckily for us, Matt had an older brother. And he was two or three years older than us, and he really liked snook fishing. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And we learned a lot from Daniel. Daniel hung around with this other guy, John Tedder, who is still fishing around Fort Lauderdale today, and he knew a lot about catching big snooks. As a matter of fact, a lot of the slang that we use on the podcast and on YouTube came from Dan Cawthorn. I don't even know that he knows it, but he used to call the big mullet, the big snook bait, a hog leg. And from that point on, us kids always called it hog leg. Now Daniel being a few years older, he wasn't too fired up to be hanging out with Matt and I being, you know, so much younger. And that's where Jojo really, you know, shined to me. Jojo always made sure that Matt and I could get to the different fishing spots. And the amount of fishing spots that she knew was amazing to me. Jojo was the first one to show me about the beach fishing. And it wasn't the mullet run at the time. I think it was summertime. And um, she said that she was going to swing by early in the morning and pick me up just before the sun came up. And we're going to go down to the beach. We're going to fish. So we go down to Bahia Mar. And there's still a few rocks sitting there today. But years ago, there was a string of rocks. And Snooks used to hang out there, whiting, Um, Great place to catch Spanish mackerel, pompano, a lot of bait was always there. And that's where um, Jojo used to take us first thing in the morning. And we'd go and we'd throw reflecto spoons in the surf, especially if it was rough. We would use the reflecto spoons. And then on the calmer days, when the pilchards were all on the surf, that's where we learned how to throw the cast net. And we would take all that fishing gear and we'd stuff it in the Alfa Romeo. Well, Jojo was the one that taught me about five-gallon buckets because we'd have to get two five-gallon buckets, one to hold the cast net and the other one to hold the bait, and then we'd put them in the, <clears throat> in the Alfa Romeo. And 
We also had another five-gallon bucket, and that would be for the live shrimp if we were using live shrimp for that particular time. But it seemed like the whole car, from front to back, was either loaded with tackle, sand, seaweed, and cigarette butts. Now, one thing about Mrs. Cawthorn or JoJo is she smoked like a chimney, and she had that raspy, you know, smoker's voice. And I was attracted to it. I thought it was funny as balls. I thought that JoJo had a lot of character, and I couldn't wait to spend more time with the whole Cawthorn family. And it's because JoJo made you feel so welcome. She made you feel like she was, you know, down to earth. She was with you. And looking back at it, the first or one of the first real guys that I ever known wasn't even a guy. It was Jojo, my best friend's mom. Also, she was the opposite of my mother. Like my mother drove a big Lincoln town car. The thing was spotless all the time. Yeah, she'd throw the kids in there every once in a while. But, you know, it wasn't something that like, we went around and played around with. Heck, hanging out with Jojo was like having your own, I don't know, not pickup truck, but like a golf cart with all your good shit in it. So she cursed like a sailor and she smoked like a chimney. And I thought she was great. And as years passed, you know, we started getting into surfing and then into girls. And so we could drive. Jojo always assisted us. I'm not sure how we did it, but we could get two or three surfboards in that old car of hers. And she'd take us anywhere we wanted to go. But our normal routine is... Jojo would drop us off down at 18th Street here on Fort Lauderdale Beach in the morning, <clears throat> early morning, and my mom would come pick us up sometime right before the sun went down. But Jojo wouldn't let us hang around the beach just, you know, too often or too much. She would always put together a really cool trip. I remember taking us surfing down to the Fort Pierce Inlet, and there's a state park down there. <clears throat> and it's totally different than Fort Lauderdale. You know, the waves come rolling in nice and big and slow. The fishing was absolutely phenomenal. She brought us to the jetty. She introduced us to that fishery and that surfing. Until we could drive, JoJo was always there for us. And she showed us things that were so important and so influential. Like the mullet run, for instance. JoJo knew that the mullet were migrating from the north. She'd load us up in the car and we'd go to Sebastian Inlet and we'd fish for a day or two. And then she knew how the mullet would work their way down the coast, and then we'd do Fort Pierce, then we'd do Del Rey, then we'd do Boca Raton, then we'd get in here in Fort Lauderdale where it really started to pick up momentum and get dense and get thick. All these experiences, and she was a big part of it. I mean, I was a little young to follow along, but I can remember, I can remember her having these big, hard, long conversations about politics. And she was kind of more like a hippie type. I don't know if she was crazy liberal or what. But I do remember her, you know, really expressing herself, cursing, getting pissed off about politics. I mean, to me, it was a first. But I found it interesting. And the reason I found it interesting is because JoJo, no matter what she did, she was herself. And she spoke from the heart. Never, never, you know, biting her tongue or missing a curse word. She would just flat out say exactly what was on her mind. As we got older and the crowd became bigger, Matt and I started to drive around. We didn't need JoJo for so much. But I always felt like we had a special connection. I always felt like we were friends. And the reason being is fishing. And when you fish with people, you learn about them. You know them. They know you. And the relationship 
is totally different than the people that you don't fish with. She was the first adult they ever felt like I was really friends with. Like when I would travel with my old man and we'd go to different countries and we'd do the marlin fishing all over the world, I would come back and I'd sit down and Mrs. Cawthorn or JoJo would sit down and she'd want to hear the stories. And she'd have a cup of coffee and she'd smoke her cigarettes and she'd listen to every last detail. And trust me, at, those, at that time and at that age, I couldn't say enough. My mouth would go a mile a minute and JoJo would sit there and listen to the stories because she wanted to know every last minute, every last detail she wanted to know. And I just thought that was so cool. So many people didn't even understand the sport of fishing, never mind marlin tournaments. But JoJo, she was on a different level. Not only was she on a different level with me, but she was on a different level with her own family. I mean, she had, uh, I think, four boys and a husband. And she was the alpha in the family. She was a special person. I've never met anybody else like her. The other unique thing that happened with JoJo is she was the first adult that I was ever really close to that passed away. I guess all those cigarettes finally caught up with her and she got lung cancer. She passed away at a fairly young age. And she was the first adult that I knew that passed away that I actually had feelings for. And I always felt like I never got a chance to talk to her, maybe that one last time at the end. And it made me realize how fortunate I was to have her in my life and to have her influence me the way she did. Kind of a short recording today, but I just wanted to get that one out about JoJo. And I hope there was people in your lives that influenced you in some sort of way or some sort of method the way JoJo did us. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Real Guy Podcast. Until next time, this is Captain Jeff from Run That Dog.